Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. All right, everyone, welcome in. Red Sox beat here on CNS Radio. I might sound a little sluggish today. Don't mind me. I'm pretty tired. Um, recording this on a Sunday night here this week. Uh, change it up a little bit. Jess and I have busy lives, so Monday doesn't work this week. So we're going to give it to you Sunday night here on CNS Radio. Welcome in. Of course, don't forget tonight's show, today's show, whenever you're listening, it's brought to you by Reached App. Uh, want to engage with your favorite CLNS personalities? Download the Reached app today for the both iPhone and Android. Are you a fan of the Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins, or Patriots? Of course you are. Make your voice heard. Join your favorite show, and our host will ask the questions. Make your answer. Maybe your answer, excuse me, will get heard on air. Download the Reached app today at reachedapp.com backslash CLNS, or, of course, go right to your mobile store preference on your phones, and you can download it there as well. Um, Jess, welcome. Sunday night edition here. I was going to say, it's like Sunday night baseball. <laughs> yeah, Sunday Night Baseball. Sunday Night Red yeah. Sox beat. Where's Kurt Schilling? John Crook. Come Kurt, on. Kurt, Kurt, where are okay. you? I need my baseball now. Nah, we can we can do our own stuff. We don't need Kurt Schilling with us. One thing I noticed about random tidbit dot here, Kurt Schilling always has a baseball in his hand on ESPN <laughs> on Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah, you're like, right. Every time, they, every time they cut to him, he has a baseball in his hand like he's like trying to like act like he's still got it. Like, Kurt, put the ball down, you're in the booth. Well, John Crook should get a baseball bat and they should just play in the booth. Really? Oh, also John, <laughs> John Cruck never wears his suit jacket. He always takes it off. Yeah, you're right. Like, he look, does. Look professional, Cruck. Come on, you're on ESPN. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Enough of the tidbits of Kurt Schilling. We have enough of that. No four. Um, let's start. Let's start up here, Jess. Want to get going here? Uh, quick, some MLB headlines first. The Pirates performed the first ever four-five-four triple play in Major League Baseball history over the weekend. It was very exciting. If you haven't seen it, go Google it. Uh, secondly, Chris Bryan of the Cubs has hit his first major league home run. He hit it over the first of the Brewers, and he came back to an empty dugout. Yes, his teammates disappeared down the tunnel, and he came back with the ultimate cold shoulder of his teammates not being in the dugout at all. That's probably the first time I've ever seen that. And lastly, unfortunately, I have to bring it up, Alex Rodriguez has now fourth alone on the all-time home run list with 661 homers passing Willie Mays on the all-time list, of course. Now fourth all-time by himself. Those are your MLB headlines brought to you by Lynda.com. Go online to Lynda.com backslash CLNS and claim your free 10-day trial today, courtesy of us here at CLNS and, of course, at Lynda.com. Over 4,500 different courses taught by a bunch of different wonderful experts. Go on there and check it out. Great service. Jess. Those are some quick MLB headlines. I mean, you can't really – I want you to expand on them, but, like, quick to the point, I have them written out here. Pirates 454 triple play. It was kind of exciting to watch. And I didn't obviously see it live because we're not in that market. But it was kind of cool to watch the replay. I had to watch it a couple times to believe it. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't see it. So I don't really have much to say about it. You still haven't seen I it? Heard, I heard it happen, but I did not actually see it. How do, how do you get a second to third to second? What happened was the second, it was a line drive to second base. He 
caught it. Oh, wait, I did see this. Wait. Yes, and then he threw it to third. And got the guy out, tagged the guy out at third who was kind of leaning towards home. And then somehow still got but back the guy, the guy who was on second, was like in a dead sprint to third base. Oh, uh, okay. So they, so it was just a nice lob back to the second baseman. So it went four five. You know what it was? I saw it, but I didn't realize that it was four five four. That's why I get confused. Gotcha. Yes, it was four five four, and I was very intrigued by it. I guess I didn't, I didn't quite put together that the second baseman caught the ball and got the out, the third out as well. That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. I was shocked. All of a sudden, I was like, wait. That was the second baseman again. Hold, hold on, that's a thing. First time. Oh, um, that's true. That's it's hard to believe. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's shocking that, but when you really think about it and how odd it would be for that to be a normal thing, you know? True. Yep. Just the way yeah. the diamond set up and the way you see it happen. Pretty poor base running is what I'm saying. <laughs> it is. I agree. It's all in the that was all in the base running. If the guy didn't dead sprint to third base, must have thought there was two outs or something. Can't lose track of that stuff. <laughs> no. All right, Chris Bryant. Uh, Chris Bryant. I think it's hilarious. I love when I love when they do those kind of goofy things. That's a new one. D- disappearing down the tunnel. Oh, no, I haven't seen it before. <laughs> That's great. There's no one in the dugout. He just came back, put his helmet down, and hung out. Hey, as long as they can laugh about it and take it in stride, it's all fun. I can't believe that was, like you said before the show, I can't, Jess, yeah. I can't believe this was his first um, homer of the, his career. Yeah, me and Jared were completely confused. We thought he was hitting like 350 and look up his stats, he's hitting 259 and just did his first home run. Like, what happened? Clearly, what happened we pay attention to baseball during the week. <laughs> Yeah, oh, to too much, up. too much, too many NBA games going on. Yeah, no kidding. Playoffs, good playoffs. So been good. Yeah, Chris Bryant, good, good for him. Hopefully, picks up a little bit with his average, but he's definitely, definitely been as advertised because he's been an exciting player and he was hitting 350 for some period of time, just not anymore. Yep. Alex Rodriguez. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> that boob. Yeah, I got nothing to say about him. Well, okay, I will do it then. Congratulations to Alex Rodriguez for becoming the fourth all-time leader in home runs. He will probably be two or three by the time he's done. So, congrats to him. How can you congratulate this guy? He just, he, I don't know if I want to say he deserves it, but he achieved it nonetheless. I congratulated Barry Bonds when he became the all-time home run leader. Yeah, but that was before so, you knew he did steroids. I, oh, you knew. I knew. Well, you didn't officially know. Look at his arms. <laughs> He, the funny thing about Barry Bonds, he would have been a Hall of Famer without them. Mm-hmm. Alex Rodriguez probably would have been a Hall of Famer without them, too. Yeah, but Hall of Famer and fourth all-time in home runs is pretty different. It is. I agree. But, well, yes, I have to stay consistent. I will stay consistent and congratulate Alex Rodriguez as well. I hope all the fans boo you. Boo, Jared, boo! <laughs> yeah, no. Jared, you suck! <laughs> You're terrible. Go home. Go home, boo! I'm already home. Funny story. <laughs> Go home again. Sitting in my bedroom. Walk out of the house, walk back in. <laughs> uh, boo. boo! Go back home. So yeah, A-Rod doesn't deserve anything. No congratulations, and I hope they take away all his home runs. All right. Well, those are your MLB headlines. I'm gonna. End. I guess we're ending on a somber note. Well, you en- you ended on an A-Rod, so I'm ending on an A-Rod too. <laughs> Jess is a little bitter, so we'll move on. Uh, even though the next topic isn't really going to keep you any more exciting. And make you any less bitter. Okay. Uh, let's do a little. So- Fun to do this. Let's do a little Sox recap. Alrighty. <laughs> Boo, Red Sox, you suck. Um, what? Not as much as A-Rod, though. <laughs> this past week, the Red Sox went two and four. Rough week. Um, but going into this week, Jess and I both made predictions. Of course, last week on the preview of Red Sox beat, uh, that episode is up still, obviously. So go check it out if you don't believe me. But Jess called. A sweep of Tampa, and they will, that, that, that they would lose two out of three to Toronto, and go four and two on the week. I called also a sweep of Tampa, 
win two out of three against Toronto and go five and one. Man, we were wrong about the first series. We should stop calling sweeps of Tampa. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to say they can't play Tampa very well. Um, they lo- they lost two out of three to Tampa, and they lost two out of three to Toronto. A nice fat two and four week. A nice fat two and four week. Uh, you called at least two in- losing two out of three to Toronto correctly, Jess. If you want that on your uh, not belt there, yeah, I'll put that on my belt. Uh, so good for you. I wish they went my route. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> Either way, still last in the division. Horrible. Jess, I know I have my MVP written down. Do you agree with me on mine? Do you think it's someone else? Well, the fact that they only won two games, <laughs> and that was one do of them. That I put the, do, you, do you agree that I put this position down, the way it's been happening this year? Yeah. Okay. Everyone, my MVP was Rick Porcello, because he got the win, and he didn't allow a run in seven innings of work in that win. He pitched phenomenal, and now he's going again against Oakland, against Scott Casimir, looking to get back-to-back wins, and, or even just quality Three starts, because Clay, because Clay Buckholz oh, 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 oh. was successful. Well, yes, he's looking I for his third win. Personally, yeah. he, he's looking for his third win in a row, I agree. But he's also looking for the Red, to give the Red Sox a rare back-to-back quality outing from some starting pitching. Which is what Look, you, i got to give it to Porcello. I don't usually for. give it to... <laughs> we haven't been able to give it to pitching because they've sucked. But Porcello's second start in a row now with quality innings. Didn't give up a run, got the win, and seven innings of quality work and handed over to Tazawa and Koji. Like, they, he pitched well. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it kind of has to be him because they only won two games. The offense was non-existent, and, and Buckholtz won the other game, but he pitched poorly in the first game, so you kind of got to give it to him, no question. I don't know. I consider giving it to Panda again because he had a good week. But I like to spread the, spread the love a little bit, and I haven't given any love to the pitching staff this year, so I figured I'd give Porcillo what he deserved. Um, was, and he deserved a good MVP status here. Jess, what did you take out of losing two out of three to Tampa? Because we both called a sweep, and we were both horribly wrong again. Yeah, I'll, I'll break down the break down the series for you. So, do, do your thing. Do your recap thing. My recap thing. That's what it's called now. Jess's recap thing. Jess's <laughs> recap thing. Well, game one was Monday. And the pitching matchup, we thought favored the Red Sox. Clay Buckholtz, Jake Odorizzi, we both thought that Clay was going to pitch a good game. And uh, we were wrong again. He gave up four runs in the first two innings. <laughs> My exact response was win. Yeah. And win. I was and Clay's wrong. exact Almost response was, I only gave up four runs in the first two innings like I always do. Yeah. Yeah. Clay, uh, Clay did not listen to me. No. Before he could blink an eye, Longoria hit an RBI double, DeJesus hit an RBI single, and Joey Butler hit his first career home run. And there you go, 4 nothing after two innings, after an inning and a half. And wasn't looking too good for the Red Sox. You were hoping they could get some runs. But then a bad thing happened in the beginning of the game, and Hanley Ramirez smashed into the wall. And Poor baby. Yeah, he uh, suffered a shoulder sprain, which is actually a lot better than anyone expected it to be. And he only missed three games, is what it turned out to be. Which wasn't too bad, but it was it was a downer for that game, and they were then the team got down right after that. So losing him, getting down early in the game wasn't a good sign, and the offense pretty much went non-existent except for back-to-back triples for Brock Holt and Xander Bogarts. Holt hit a triple in the bottom of the second. Bogarts hit him in with his triple of his own. It was four to one, and it was like that for a while until the seventh. DeJesus got another RBI single, and it was five to one, and the offense could not score seven hits, but. Nothing in the run department, and that's how you lose. Can I just say, with Hanley's injury, and we'll get—I want to get to it a little more later. We can get in more detail about it. 
But when I first saw it, I thought it was his wrist. It looked like the way it. He ran, the way he ran to the wall. And I kept saying to my dad, I'm like, Dad, it's his wrist. It's clearly his wrist. Look at the way it snapped. His hand his like bent back, right? But then he kept not moving his shoulder, his arm. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> it's worse than his wrist. Crap, it's worse than his wrist. Please be his wrist. But it ended up not being too bad in the first place. Thank God. So. I, don't, I don't think he's 100%, but we'll get to that after. Yeah, so that was game one, five one loss. There goes your sweep, <laughs> and that was. That yeah, was a rough we game. were wrong after the first game. <laughs> yeah, it's like anyone listening to the show like three hours afterwards would be like, "Ah, they're already wrong." <laughs> yeah, but then game two happened on Tuesday night, and as we just said, Rick Porcello trying to pick the team up after a four game losing streak, which is what the first game gave them, all the way to twelve and fourteen, and Rick Porcello was the ace that everyone wants him to be for two straight games, and he pitched seven innings. He got eight hits, but no walks, got out of damage, uh, six Ks, zero runs, and uh, Agondo and Uihara both pitched perfect innings. That was a great game. It was funny because the Red Sox only got the five hits, and two of them were Mookie Betts solo home runs, and those were the only runs in the game. It was two two nothing final, and that's all they needed because Tampa Bay, despite getting their hits, could not push a run across the plate, which has been the Red Sox problem, but it was it was the race problem for that game. So that was a nice, solid 2 nothing win, and, and uh, finally got a win for the team, which they really needed. So then they came to Game 3, trying to get two in a row after after some Porcello bet magic. And, boy, was that a frustrating game. Kind of back and forth the whole time. It was one nothing Tampa Bay after a Logan Forsythe RBI single in the third. But then it was all okay, because the Red Sox got the lead right back in the bottom half of the inning with... Blake Swihart's first double and first RBI tied it at one. Pedroia hit a sack fly and gave him a 2 1 lead. But with this pitching, Justin Masterson, Evan Longoria home run, half an inning later to tie it at two. And the next inning in the fifth, Joey Butler, two RBI single. Then it was 4 2 all of a sudden. And it's like, come on, pitching, you, you, your team gets the lead and then you give it away right away. Then Betts tried to keep him in the game once again, just like Tuesday night. He hit another home run in the eighth inning to make it 4 3. Mook! Yeah, you heard lots of that in the crowd. Mook! But unfortunately, Alexi Agondo gave up a home run to Evan Longoria, his second in the game. That was a bomb. Half inning later, it's like, oh, we get within one run. Oh, sorry, actually, it's two again. First pitch of that at bat, mm-hmm. down the middle practically, towered it over the monster. That was a shot. Terrible pitch. I told you, going to that series, the only guy you don't want to dare pitch to, even come close to pitching to, is Evan Longoria. It's all they have. And he killed you twice in that game. It's only his, it was only his second and third home run of the year, but they they both they yeah both he had married. two of them in that game. Yeah, <laughs> two in that game won the whole rest of the season. So came at a bad time, and it was another garbage outing by Masterson. It was only his first loss of the year, believe it or not. Even though ZRA is over five, but he was really 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 lucky to only give up four runs because he gave up seven hits and six walks. He was getting out of messes all night long. Two bases. I will give him credit. He did he did pitch out of some jams when he had to. Oh yeah. And he gave him a chance to win, but still sucks. You're not though. gonna. No one's gonna be happy with seven hits and six at, uh, six walks in less than five innings. That's terrible. Still belongs in the bullpen. You could be right about that. <laughs> so that attacks the bullpen again. Five guys pitched, another loss, and that was your ball game and your series. Two out of three lost again to the Rays for the second time at home after getting swept by the Yankees at home. Suddenly they're looking at a um, five out of six games lost, which. Is a poor way to start May. So they had a nice day to breathe. Thursday off. Go to Toronto. Try to take try to take two out of three like you thought. And uh, came out with another stinker on Friday. 
getting, getting shut out for the first time this season behind uh, Aaron Sanchez, of all people, who we were talking about. Who? Who? <laughs> we were talking about how it was going to be a good matchup because he had 21 Ks and 20 walks in the season, and he's totally wild. And he was wild again. He gave up five walks, but the Red Sox had an opp- opportunity, and I believe it was the fourth inning, and they left the bases loaded with one out. and Oh, no out. It was no outs. They left a lot of runners on base. This past week, week yeah. for that game specifically. Oh. It looked like last year all over again. Because they only got two hits in this game, but five walks. It was only two hits? Yeah. Oof. This wasn't the worst game for runners in scoring position, but five walks and leaving the bases loaded with no outs. Gotta, gotta score there. You Rough. just have to. And Wade Miley pitched, and he didn't do terrible, really. I mean, he had eight strikeouts. He did give up four runs, which hurt, but, but a lot of the runs, the last... Five runs for Toronto came in the last four innings. Uh, one of one of those was his, but the other three weren't. Or two of those were his, the other three weren't. But he didn't pitch too bad. I, I was encouraged by the outing, but as we know this week, we can stop crapping on the pitching. The offense is the problem this week. No question <laughs> about it. It's, but it's true. I mean, the, what I was kind of noticing throughout the week was that, yeah, the offense wasn't good, but they had so much pressure on them because they were down in the first two innings in almost every game of the whole week. Yep. They were down 4 nothing with Buckholz. They were down 2 nothing in the first two innings with Miley here. It's like, that's, it puts a lot of pressure on the offense to try to get runs. And when you when you bat once and then come out again and you're already down 1, 2, 3, 4 nothing, doesn't probably doesn't make it very easy to hit. I mean, I've, I was never a good hitter, but even if I was, it's it's never a good feeling when you're already down. So, yeah, Betts and Pedroia, only two hits in that game. Everyone else was over. And, uh,. Another another seven nothing loss and things were looking pretty bad at this point thirteen and sixteen and it's like how could it get any worse let's let's move on to the next game oh okay let's let's give up seven runs again <laughs> Saturday seven to one final Toronto um, this was the rough game eight hits only one run leaving guys on base every inning left and right that was a miserable one yeah that was bad oh. and once again run in the first run in the second three runs in the fourth. You're already down five nothing before the game's even half over, which you can't do. You can't get. It's Joe Kelly whose ERA is now over six. He had seven walks and gave up six runs. Garbage. Can't do that. Hard to do. Hard to watch. Yeah, it's all over the place and giving your team no chance. And then they get chances with guys in scoring position. They can't score. All of a sudden you'll get another seven to one loss. And what well, that makes it now seven out of eight loss coming into today, Sunday. So they really needed to win in this game, this next game here, or we're, uh, everyone's going to jump off the bandwagon real quickly. But, hey, the stopper, Clay Buckles. <laughs> With that weird haircut. That was really weird. It looked like there was, like, worms on his head. You see his response to that? Someone asked him about oh, it. Oh, they did? And someone, I, think, I forget who it was. Um, someone asked him. might have been Pete Abe, and he was just like, um, it needed to take a little off the top, just like my ERA. <laughs> I was like, Okay. Did he have hair on the top, or did he just have like? Maybe maybe it was a little bit off the sides. I don't remember that quote, but it was probably maybe I should have taken a little off the side because the side and like he trimmed the mess in the back, but it still even it looked worse. It, like, well, yes, yeah, the thing I didn't know what he did because I never saw him without his hat on, but it was yeah. He like shaved, shaved he like the shaved the side of his head and then like trimmed the crap in the back, but now it looked like little nubs of crap in the back instead of long flowing crap. Yeah, the long flowing crap looked a lot better. She might as well kept the crap and kept the sunscreen. In well, it. he did keep the crap. It's just weird looking now. <laughs> yeah, because there's less of it. I know. Very weird. So I don't know what he had on top because I never saw it, but it was very odd looking. But it worked. 
Yes, he, did. he gave up three runs in six and a third innings. That's a quality start. We'll take that any day of the week. And uh, gave the chance the team a chance to win. And instead of the opposite, which has been the whole series, the whole last three series, really, the Red Sox got off to a 4 nothing lead after one. Pedroia hitting a RBI ground out, and Mike Napoli finally hit a home run. A three-run homer at that. That made it 4 nothing, and then after Toronto got a run in the fourth, Sandoval had a two-run homer, made it 6-1, and that was all the Red Sox needed. Gave up a couple more runs. 6-3 to three final, desperately much-needed win. Good offense, six runs on seven hits, made use of all the hits, and a good outing from, from the pitching. So this this is the game you look at. You wanna you wanna take you wanna take it from this. This is this was a good game of the week, obviously just because of how many times they've lost, and finally a good outing from Buckholtz. Now you've gotten good outings back to back from Porcello and and Buckholtz in the last start of each. So encouraging sign there, but overall a crappy week where offense was a problem in addition to the pitching instead of just the pitching. So unfortunate. They really got to get it going. They're 14 and 17 right now, and and uh, sitting in last still, right? Oh, it was bad for the Orioles. With the Orioles, it was bad. And look, the division's mediocre enough that they can probably be okay for a little while longer without panicking. I'm, I'll do the panicking for them. It's, it's bad. It's getting bad, Jess. And now it's whether to question the offense or the pitching. And uh, well, I do want to talk about that in a second. Because I, I didn't think about that till now. Like it's kind of the turning into the offense is just as much as the pitching problems. No one's hitting. Mm-hmm. Buckholz had another great start, and and you just hit, you just touched on it. I'm shocked that he had a good start. When they, when they really needed it, <laughs> they needed. They, they look. This is what I've been crapping on him for so long, and you got on the crapping Buckholz bandwagon last week with me, Jeff. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure I said that, that he would actually pitch well this week. I don't know why. Yeah, you did. And you, the one who crapped on him, and then I said, welcome. To the dark side. I remember well, that. Well, he did pitch bad in the first game that this week. Monday, yeah, so. and I, I said that. What I said for some reason, I remember saying when they need him, that he's actually going to pitch well this week. And I was, I'm surprised I'm right. Yeah, you actually were. Because he never does this. He pitches well when the team doesn't need him, and he'll pitch like crap and hide away in his now newly shortened locks of grease when he the team actually does need him to pitch well. It's just sickening to me hey, what he usually maybe does. Maybe this is things to come. We can hope. He, look, Jess, I'll say it. His stuff looked good today. He had control of it. He looked like he was pitching with a plan. He, it didn't look like he was just getting up there and firing the ball. He's such a good pitcher if he can get it together. Like, he has such good stuff. I just wish he could, like, do it all the time. I agree. We've all been saying this. It's, we know he has good stuff. Everyone knows he has good stuff. But when you give up big innings, your stuff don't look so good. And, Jess, I know you had this lower in our preview, but I kind of want to talk about it right now because it kind of works together. Um, look, Buckholz, like I said, Buckholz looked like he was pitching better. Buckholz looked like he was kind of playing more consistency with his stuff and just game managing more. And this kind of leads into what I want to talk to next is that we didn't get to it last week because it happened after we were off the air. Juan Nieves was fired as our pitch, as the Red Sox pitching coach. I'm sure you all heard this by now. They hired Carl Willis, who was currently the AAA uh, Indians pitching coach or something like that, yep. or manager, and they. But he used to. He formerly was the pitching coach of the Mariners. That's his last like big league gig. And look, he just came in the other day, and today Buckles pitched well. I think, was today his first game in the dugout or yesterday? Um, was he in the dugout? I think so. Because I only saw parts of the game. They officially named him the pitching coach yesterday. 
Yeah, so I think today was his so first. So if he wasn't in the dugout today, it would have been the first time. Yeah, so, look, I'm not saying that I'm going to give him all the signs in the world to be, okay, he shows up and Clay Buckles pitches better. I think it's more. I think it's a coincidence. But is there any sense of, do you think they, they met beforehand and he said, okay, these are my first impressions of you, Clay. Just work the plate more. Pick with pitch. We need to pitch with more of a strategy. I see you guys pitching out here. Because to me, it looked like the Red Sox guys were just trying to get up there and throw the ball. And Nieves' pitching philosophy was under question because it seemed like all Nieves wanted them to do was get up there, throw strikes, and hopefully they don't hit him. But it looked like today, Buckles had a plan. He looked like he read the scouting report and did some planning and executed his pitches according to that plan. Yeah, he pitched really well. It was it was Willis's first first game. He was in the dugout. I thought, and so. yeah, I wonder if he said something to Buckholtz and maybe did something. I don't know about Nieves because it's like it's like did he was he not getting through? Because I I read some stat that said that he like after he went to the mound to like calm pitcher down, like they gave up a hit like seventy percent of the time or something. <laughs> oh, something good. terrible like that. So I don't know if maybe he. Maybe he wasn't a strong enough personality. Maybe he wasn't getting through. I mean, they won the World Series in 2013 with him as a pitching coach. I don't know how much difference coaches make, to be honest with you. I mean, it's tough to know. But that thing, the thing with this season is, like, if, if your pitching's not good, even though no one expected it to be good, it's, it's still going to be the pitching coach to take the fall, unfortunately, even if it really wasn't his fault. I, I questioned I know you questioned it. Multiple people questioned if if it was the right move because it's not it's not his fault it's the pitching's fault but maybe maybe having a new voice will be a good thing. If they start pitching better, it it was not. I don't want to say it was completely Nieves' fault. Nieves' fault, but maybe it's just them tuning them out. Maybe it was just time for such change. And look, I guarantee you that the Nieves change was more of a John Henry coming down and saying, "Look, I'm pissed about losing. Do something." Do something. Yeah. <laughs> And they they called it, and he said, "Look, change this. He, they're pitching poorly. Let them go." And because it came into a quote, I think Sherrington said that um, he said something about when John and I sat down and talked about this. There's no way in hell that meeting was just him and John Farrell. You know that John Henry was down there saying something into the lines of, "We're sucking. Fix it." Hey guys, we were in last last year. Uh... Don't want to do that again this year. So well, think about it. Except for 2013, you go collapse in 11, last in 12, and last in 14, and now last now so far in 15. Yeah. So the consistency they're looking for is in the wrong direction. Yeah. They have it. It's just the wrong consistency, and that. And I think John Henry's sick of losing, and I would be too if I owned this ball club. Well, especially because the team seems like it's a pretty good team, like all these years basically. They've had good players like every year. And they just are not doing it. Yeah, you have a two hundred oh, uh, above two hundred dollar payroll. Yeah, you shouldn't be that bad. They got well, twenty million dollars. Excuse me, I, I don't even know what I said. Um, but you shouldn't be this bad. You have you have an offense now who should be succeeding, and they're not. They're, they haven't been hitting that well lately. And now the pitching's starting to get better. Now we got to see if the offense can turn it around. Hopefully, Carl's, Carl Willis can get to these pitchers, and maybe now maybe the firing of Nieves was a wake up call to see. Okay, oh crap, we just got someone fired. You guys, why are we doing like, so bad? Why are we getting people fired? Like, you you got to think that this turned into, that you got to see that, that these guys looked in the mirror and went, oh crap, that's on us. Well, I think another thing that helped that, that we wanted to mention was that the uh, Dustin Pedroia and David Ortiz uh, had a players-only meeting after Saturday's loss. And they came out and won today. So it's like, those those meetings are always important because it was it was only players. I'm sure Pedroia and Ortiz were not very happy. I'm sure it was a pretty... 
pretty ugly meeting at first, being like, all right, guys, what's going on here? And then it probably, I assume it got positive, and they said, like, all right, let's do this, this, and that to, to uh, win the games. So we have no offense. Like, what's going on with our team? And, yeah, I, I mean, they played well today. So we'll see if that success continues or if it just goes in one area out the other the next day. I hope it makes a difference because I know those things can make a difference because it kind of just slaps some sense in everyone. Like, oh, we're not playing well. Okay, let's change something. Yeah, I'm just intrigued by that whole thing. And, look, I, I sit here and say, okay, you need to make changes and you need to do things. I don't know. Like what, like we said last week, we, said, we heard about it and we said we don't know if that was the right decision, Jess. And as of right now, it's the right decision. Until proven wrong, until the pitching sucks despite Carl Willis being the new pitching coach, it's the right decision. Yeah, I mean, it's like we said, something had to change. And... They're obviously not going to fire Farrell or anything dramatic like that. And Nieves hasn't been around that long. He's only this is only his third his third season as our pitching coach, and it's not like he has like an incredible resume of like thirty years of of uh, being a pitching coach. And like it, that it would be this like massive shock if they got rid rid of of somebody like that. So in that sense, it, it made it made more sense just because the pitching wasn't working out. So, and yeah, Carl Willis is a good, I mean, he's been around for a long time. He's been a pitching coach for a number of years and he's pitched, he's uh, coached some Cy Young pitchers. So he's definitely got some good experience. There's no question about that. So we can, we can hope that that would be a good sign for us. Another thing too, Jess, that makes me feel like this was partially ownerships coming down and saying, do something was that Nieves was Farrell's guy. Like he brought him in here when he got hired and, he loved him, and he got, they got along, and they shared the same pitching philosophy. So now, my wonders is, obviously that speaks to the fact that it was an ownership and, and kind of nudge to do something. And Sherrington said, look, look, John, we've got to do something here. We got, we, Nieves has got to go. I know he's your binky and your boy, but you've got to let him go. <laughs> um, now, it's, okay, now, everyone on the, now I think everyone realizes coaching the players, they're on the chopping block. Something goes wrong, someone else may get fired or traded. And... Look, it's just that, to me, Carl Willis right now, I don't say has to be the answer, but he's got to make a difference. He's got to change something. Right, he's got to change their philosophy or be like, hey, guys, you, instead of just saying you're the eighth like you did at the beginning of the season, like actually pitch like it. <laughs> you got to go out and pitch with a plan. And I'm pretty confident in watching all the games that I've watched so far this season. They haven't done that. They don't pitch with a plan, Jess, and that's been half the problem. I think Buckholz's start was great. It was the first one really under Carl Willis, despite the minimal of conversation they've probably, they've probably shared. It was a great pitching outing. His stuff was moving. He went inside, outside, worked the plate high, low. His stuff was going strong, and that's why he had a great outing. And then the offense gave him enough run support. And look, it might be it's different pitching with a six-run pad versus needing to pitch with like a one-run lead. But helped, it's still yeah, a good start. It's still runners. a good start because you have to expect this offense is going to be get better to where it should be, that these pitchers should have five or six runs a game to bank on. Yeah, I mean, you need offense. It's, it's, I'm sure it was... This is, this is the thing. Like he had four runs of offense in the first inning before he even came on the mound. Like that's got to be a good feeling, and that hasn't really been happening because it's been the opposite so far. So if the offense can give him a little shot in the arm, maybe that's what the pitchers need to kind of get on track. And then once they get on track, like they should be able to pitch whether they're up, down, or tied. So hopefully, hopefully if the offense gives him a little a little help, then everything will work out because it definitely makes it easier if you're if you're already leading before you even pitch. There's no question that they needed to make a change, and they started. They, they hired Carl Willis. Other changes have been made. We'll get to those in a bit, um, because I also want to talk about, with those changes being made, revolving, sending people up and calling people, sending people down and calling people up, whatever, 
uh, is also that leads to the debate of whether now it's turning to the offense or is it still all in the pitching or is it now is it just a mix of everyone sucking and we all have to pick it up. We'll get to that in a little bit later on in the show. Hang, hang tight, we'll get there, I promise. But first, we're going to jump in here to our fantasy segment. Um, give you our, each of us give you two ads for the week who are playing well and who we suggest, pitchers, catchers, whatever, position players. We'll give you two guys. We do it every week. Uh, Jess, I'll have you start this week because I believe I started last week. Maybe. <laughs> but you can Either start. Way, I'll week. do it. All right, my first guy is a guy that most people may not have heard of. He's on the Arizona I almost said Cardinals. Diamondbacks. <laughs> not on the Cardinals. Uh, he's an outfielder. His name is Ender Inciarte. He's a second-year player. Has not played a whole lot, but he's been playing consistently for the Diamondbacks this year. And at the moment, he's hitting 304. He's got 11 RBI and 20 runs, which is a solid amount of runs this early in the season. He does not have a home run, so he's clearly not a power hitter. But if you're looking for a good average, he gets a hit or two pretty much every game, and he's getting you some solid some solid run production, and he's, I'm sure he's sitting out there in a lot of leagues, even though he's been getting picked up a lot more recently because he has been playing that much better. So he's a guy that you may not have heard of, but if you're looking for an extra outfielder who hits over 300, he looks to be a pretty consistent dude, so head out there and get Ender Inciarte. It's E-N-D-E-R. His last name is I-N-C-A. Sorry, I-N-C-I-A-R-T-E. Ender Inciarte. Go grab him. Who? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's my reaction. Who? I lo- I'm going to use that more often now. Who? Who are you talking about, Jeff? That's my reaction too, because what'd you, what'd of, you say, honey? Came out of nowhere. <laughs> um, all right. What do you got for excuse us? my insaneness there. Uh, my first one, and I am all pitching this week. Fair warning. I'm all offense. So, uh, my first one is going to be Scott Casimir. That that guy. He's still alive, guys. He's still pitching. Around for a while. Uh, Kurt, Currently with the A's, the Red Sox are going to be facing him tomorrow against Rick Porcillo. Um, he's in a bunch of trade rumors currently, linked to the Red Sox as well. Again, get to that later in the show. But look, he's pitching well. Um, his area, I believe, is under three, and he is 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 finding himself. Look, I like I liked his game in Tampa, and I think, but now I think he's learning more how to pitch. Like I said, you have to pitch in this league with the plan, and he's starting to do more, go inside outside, and he's starting to get some. Good quality numbers here for the A's. So I would definitely go pick up Scott Casimir if I was you. And I don't think he's just one of those guys you're going to pick up for the week. I think he's going to be solid. Um, if you can't, if you can get him, he's a solid start for the rest of the season. And especially if he comes here and pitches for the Red Sox as well, if that happens. Yeah, he's only 31 years old. But he's been in the league 11 years, and he's had some really solid years. He's been he's had, he had 15 wins last year. He's had 13 and 12 number several years of 10 wins. He's got 93 for his career, so he's, he's almost cracking the 100 mark. So he's always been a good pitcher if he can stay healthy. He almost, he almost retired after a number of injuries, but he's he's picked it up recently, and I agree. Good good pick if you can get him if he's still available. Also, you can probably trade for a decent value as well. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. All right, my next guy is another offensive player. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles, Caleb Joseph. He's their catcher. He's hitting 311 with three homers and nine RBI this season which is really good for a catcher because most catchers can't hit anything. No. We know that. It's been a lot of a lot of pretty poor performances for a lot of catchers for a long time because you don't expect offensive catchers. They're, they're supposed to be catchers. But extra offense for a catcher is fantastic, especially for fantasy. And when you, get, when you got a guy hitting over 300 who's got a number of home runs, go for him. If Caleb Joseph, if Caleb Joseph is available, definitely go get him because 
you got like those 300 hitters. You get average, you get mm-hmm. hits. If you can crack a few home runs, it's extra gravy. So if he's available, grab him along with Baltimore's other player, Jamie Paredes. I know he's still not taking him my league, and I told everyone a couple weeks ago to get him, and he's still cranking real good. So two Orioles place players sitting out there waiting for you. Yeah, no, th- th- definitely good, uh, good option there as in Caleb Joseph. My final player, have to do it, Jess, oh. is a Yankee. <laughs> it's a Yankee. They're in first place for a reason, and this guy has been a solid start all season long. He's 5-0. and Look, I know he's not going to be around in most leagues, but if he's, people might just slide by the name, especially if you're in a league around here, people might not want to pick him up. Pine Tar? Just because he's, just because he's a Yankee, <laughs> Pine Tar, whole situation. If you don't know who I'm talking about by now, it's uh, Pineda with the Yankees. Guys stuck, struck out 16 guys today versus the Baltimore Orioles, and I'm hopping on that bandwagon so hard it's not even funny, Jess. Um, he has five wins. I don't think he has a loss yet. Nope, this week, Jess. Five and zero, oh, pitching phenomenal for the Yanks. If you can get him, and I, I did see him available in like forty percent of ESPN leagues. He wasn't in mine when I checked. But yeah, me either. I would I would go out there and get him if he's there. Um, I think he's a lower tier pitcher still, despite the production. I still think you could even trade for him with a decent value. Uh, but again, for the top ad purposes, I do believe you can get him there and some and steal him in some leagues. Uh, if you're looking daily fantasy, I'm sure he's he's still got a good money value on him. Same with Scott Casimir. I believe Scott Casimir has a great value for daily fantasy when he's pitching. Um, so I would pick him up and start him tomorrow if you're listening tonight on Sunday or Monday morning. But um, yeah, so those are my two guys, Casimir and Pineda, both valuable on Daily Fantasy and both valuable, I think, pickups for the long haul if you can get them. Yeah, I think those two guys are, are key to get if they're available because they probably aren't available in most. So definitely definitely take Jared's picks uh, strongly. Mine, maybe not so much because they're not as, as well-known guys, but if you're looking for... Just gave you the sleeper guy. If you're looking for guys who are hitting over 300, I mean, go for it. 300 is a good average. If your batting average is low, just pick one of them up, yeah, they do. Play them when they play, and it'll raise your batting average stat. Absolutely. There you go. Good advice. All right, so we got four guys here, Scott Kazmir and Pineda for me. Uh, Ender Inciarte. Is that how you say it? Inciarte? I think it's Inciarte, yeah. Inci- okay, Inciarte and Caleb Joseph for Jess over there. Uh, don't forget, of course, this this uh, edition of the Fantasy Baseball segment here on Red Sox Speed is brought to you by DraftKings. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last. And the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments at all. Just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim your victory money when you can win huge cash every single day you play at DraftKings? It's like a brand-new season. Just select two pitchers, eight position players, and stand to that Stupid salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks. Yeah, I said it, a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code New England to play for free. You could win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season all summer long. Use promo code New England for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Again, that is DraftKings.com. Great daily fantasy partner we have brought to you making this fantasy uh, segment possible. Uh, good value there as well. Good fun to play. I play on them all the time. So go on and check DraftKings dot com out today and Blake don't forget promo code New England that was excellent thank you 
Very impressive. Thank you. Should be a salesman. God, I could... No, no, thank you. You're like Brad Stevens' point of view. I'm not a car. I'm not a yeah. salesman. Never been one. <laughs> not a salesman. Never can do one. Right. <laughs> All right, let's move on here. Let's get to more Red Sox stuff here. Um, another, a couple of other moves made, and after the loss on Saturday, Jess, they came out and said roster moves are being made. Got to change something up. So the most useless guy in the world, Alan Craig, <laughs> has been sent down to AAA by Tuckett, and JBJ, Jackie Bradley, has been called up, and he started today. Um, I don't have his numbers in front of me, Jess. How he did? Oh, for four. Oh, for four. Yeah, there it is. There's Jackie Bradley for you. Back can't in the majors. Hit, can't, <laughs> can't hit the beach ball. Back in the majors. Um, minors or hit, hitting over 300. That's why he got the nod. He is that typical tweener guy. Cannot hit a lick in the majors. He couldn't hit the side of a barn with a baseball bat. Not even ball to a. Not even hitting a ball into the barn. He probably would miss hitting the barn with a baseball bat um, in the majors. But if you put it in the minors, he hit it no problem. It's weird. Um, it's so weird. I don't get it. But either way, he played right field, and it sounds like with Shane Victorino coming back to the Red Sox and being activated possibly Monday in Oakland, it sounds like there's going to be a platoon out there in right field with JBJ and Shane Victorino. <laughs> Wrong answer, John Farrell. Give me some Rusnay Castillo. I want me some Castillo. Where is this guy, Jess? Why have we not seen him? I told him? you at the beginning of the season, I was like, I'm not sold on him. Is he going to play? Sure hasn't so far. <laughs> He's got to play, though, right? Like, you're paying him so much money, and nothing else has worked in right field. If JBJ pans out, then what? Doesn't pan out, then what? I know it's weird. I, it is kind of odd they brought him up. I, they probably felt bad that he was hitting so well and that he wasn't in the majors, but he's got to prove okay. he's prove that he's in the majors. Question for you then, Jeff. Sure. If JBJ doesn't hit in the majors and sucks again, like I expect him to, then do they bring Russo Castillo up? They have to. Why wouldn't you? Right? What's he hit? I'm pretty sure. I don't know what he's hitting in AAA. I, again, I don't have his numbers in front of me. I am so unprepared for this. But he was hitting pretty well before he got hurt. And he came back, and he's been hitting kind of sluggish. But he does, I'm pretty sure he has a, at least a hit in every game he's come back. I feel like I've heard that somewhere. But either way, you've got to bring this dude up. Just let him play. Yeah, he's they paid $72 million for him, and he has not played a single game for this team. Uh, this year, he's hitting... 11 for 43, 50, 256 average. Okay. In I'd rather that than what JBJ's doing. Well, he's hitting zero so far. And I'd rather that than Shane... I'd rather that and get him to play than play with Shane Victorino. But Shane Victorino's not going anywhere, unfortunately. So whoever comes up, whether it be Bradley or Rusne, they're going to be platooning with Victorino. So do you think Bradley Jr. is just a a, uh, a fill-in until, until Castillo's coming up, or do you think they're going to keep him here for a while? I do. I think he's a fill. I think they don't believe in Rusna yet, and I think they want someone else besides Craig, obviously. Huh. And I think they could also possibly be working on a situation where they try to see if Bradley's worked out those MLB yips and potentially get him some trading value right. other than for his defense because then you could also flip him for pitching right. along with some of your other guys. So I think they're just trying to explore every avenue they have at this point. Um, I know they said at the beginning of the year that Jackie Bradley was going to expect to see him up here this year. Um, just said he was going down to AAA to get some more bats, um, and he did that, and he, he succeeded. So he's done everything they asked him to do. So they kind of were handcuffed in this situation, Jess. They kind of had to bring him up, unfortunately. Now he just has to hit. <laughs> yeah, now he just actually has to hit here. It's just to swing the bat uh, and make contact. Um, if not, I definitely see Bruce Castillo in the near future. Um, until then, though, I think you just got to get used to Victorino and JBJ going back and forth. I think Victorino, if activated, plays tomorrow night in Oakland. And that gets hurt on Tuesday. And, 
and then he gets hurt. Maybe even <laughs> maybe even gets hurt on Monday. Maybe he gets hurt. No, the uh, thing is, he won't get hurt in Oakland because there's so much stupid foul territory in Oakland. He won't run into that a wall. There's, there's there's nothing to run into. Right. Um, he can run all day maybe. long. It's just when he put a wall there. Yeah, it's when he decides <laughs> I'm going to go 110. percent And you know what, Shane? That's why you're not playing all the time because you go 110 percent into walls. Yeah, play like Manny Ramirez did. You'll be fine. No kidding. And hit a little better. Just do everything better, Shane Victorino. I'll tell, I'll uh, tell you one thing, though. Not about Shane Victorino, but about Alan Craig. We were uh, a big topic last last week on our show was, should Alan Craig play more for Mike Napoli? Or should Mike Napoli play? We said Napoli should, should play more, but try to find some space for Alan Craig. Well, they didn't want to because he's now in AAA. Well, they got his space, and he sucked in the three three or four games he replaced Hanley when Hanley was out with his shoulder. Yeah, he, he didn't have a lot of space. He'd gone, gone yeah. quickly. And he sucked in those games and hasn't been good, so they claim he's going down for every day at bats. I didn't even realize he had an option to go down to AAA. Um, I guess so. Yeah, I Joe Kelly that. does, too. I heard Joe Kelly does, too. Didn't know that. Um, you, I think it's like after five years of service, you can't have be directly uh, optioned down to AAA. Craig been in the league for longer than five years? I, I thought I so. Thought he had. I, guess, I know, I know yeah, Kelly I, hasn't, but... I thought I, he has. I thought he had, but... All right, I, I got it right more. here. Uh, um, yeah, he does. Well, that's weird. Do you have to play a certain amount of games each year? Because this is a sixth season in the year, sixth season in the year, sixth year in the league. But he only <laughs> played forty-four games in ten, and he only played seventy-five games in eleven. Yeah, it might, it might so be. It might it's be some, I don't games. know the exact rule, yeah. but it might be by games. I know it's like after five years. I think of eligibility. Yeah, it is. You're, you're right, which is why this is weird. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. But either way, he's down there. Good riddance. Yep. Um, other news, Edward Mojica, thank God, was traded to the A's. Um, they DFA'd him last week, I believe, some point last week. And, um, designated for assignment, for everyone who doesn't know that. Oh, yeah, sorry, designated for assignment. In my head, it's a baseball podcast, so I assume people know what that means. Um, I didn't know what it was for a while. So. DFA, designated for assignment. Um, if you don't know what that, that situation is, what happens is you designate him for assignment, and after a certain amount of days, days. if people... After, it's 10 days? Okay, after 10 days, if you can't find a suitable trade partner, um, then he gets released. And somehow, someone wanted him. I don't know why, but someone wanted Edward Mojica. Um, well, here, I think here's he, why, because the A's are 12 and 21. <laughs> true. I think he's the classic case of National League guy gone wrong in the AL. And now he's staying Same in the AL. With, same with Miley. Yeah, I don't think it's going to help him any. Um, but who knows? Maybe he'll get the luck of Red Sox wannabes going to Oakland or Red Sox washup going line, to Oakland yeah. and succeeding. So uh, Billy Bean getting some money ball potential out of this guy, maybe. Who knows? Um, either way, Mojica's out of the hair of the Red Sox. And you got to start thinking about bringing up some of these young arms, Jess, right? Yeah, I mean, what's, if it's not working, try some new stuff. But here's the thing about the young arms, though. I was actually reading an article I didn't finish it, but it was in the Globe today, and it was talking about how the Red Sox haven't had a successful guy from the farm system come up since Clay Buchholz. And you took a chance on him. Bring Henry Owens up. Take a chance on him. I'm cool with it. Totally should. But isn't that shocking uh, that they haven't had one since that? That's worked? Um, yes. Like, But no, because like their development of players has been awful. I mean, here's, here's your list of the guys that they focused on. Daniel Barge, Michael Bowden, Drake Britton, Ruby De La Rosa, Anthony Renato, Alan Webster, Kyle Weiland, Brandon Workman. Okay, La Rosa, La Rosa was traded, but he's still good, I think. Yeah, I think Workman's hurt. 
Workman's hurt. I think he has some potential. Webster's kind of what he, you kind of saw from him. Um, kind of iffy there, Jess. I think Stephen Wright has potential if I just keep him up here and let him pitch. Yeah, I want him to have a chance. Long relief in the bullpen. Starter if you put Masterson in the bullpen. Got to give Stephen Wright a nod, I think. I'm okay with letting Henry Owens sit in AAA, but if they want to bring him up, I wouldn't be mad about it. Um, here's the thing about these young guys, though. Do you want... We're trying to we're trying to win, right? I think that's what the goal is. And yeah, but you, you don't have pitching test, that's working. I know, but do you want to test these guys this early in the season? I don't know. I guess it's better to try I, them earlier than late. But I would do it now because what you if you go the course of what you have now, you're not getting anywhere. And you got to figure out what you have in order to trade potentially trade guys away. Um, you have to try to figure out a way to get Miley some value so you can trade Miley away. I'm done with Miley. This is a guy clearly who doesn't pitch well in the American League. Um, you need to get him a National League offer and send him back. He just floated along in Arizona, pitched a lot of innings, won some games, lost some games. Life was good. Now there's all this pressure here, and Boston's not Arizona, and it's very different. <laughs> yep, completely agree. So, yeah, so they made some moves, and the Red Sox are, in, are intriguing to me now because now it's a matter of, okay, do you... Are these moves enough? At least they made a start move. Are you happy at least that they're starting to make moves, Jess? Well, yeah. I mean, something has to be done. It'll, it'll be good to see if, if these guys can make a difference. If Jackie Bradley Jr. can do something. If Rizzi Castillo can. If he ends up coming up. different bull, Trying different bullpen guys. As, I mean, getting rid of Alan Craig. <laughs> that had to happen. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it just kind of makes sense. But you want to find guys that perform. So, hopefully, some of these guys can form some kind of continuity between each other and actually play well together because they need it they need something and there are some rumors out there floating about and we're gonna i want to talk about this before we get to our uh preview before we get out of here jess um there's been talk of scott casimir that lovely guy who i told you all should go pick up in fantasy has been linked hugely to the red sox i say absolutely not absolutely not i'm I am so scared of Scott Casimir, and I know I was just pumping his tires for fantasy purposes, but I don't trust him in terms of real value, in terms of like real life pitching. I think it'll be like something else, like what's what's been happening in the season with everybody else. Yeah, I just feel like he's too, he's going to be up and down. And I feel like coming back to the AL East might hurt him. Hmm. Do you want him? Would you take him? I would take him if I was guaranteed that he'd stay healthy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough guarantee. There's no guarantee, especially with him, because like I said, like 20 minutes ago, he's always he's been hurt a number of times and almost retired because of it. So I don't know. I I like that he has the least experience and he has been a good pitcher throughout his career. But at age 31, will he be what the team needs to get over the hump of not good pitching? I don't know. Possibly not. Only reason I would say take him is that I know it's I know it's always kind of a funny thought and. And it might be a good thought when a guy pitches really well against you, which Casimir has pitched really well against the Red Sox his entire career. If you can't mm-hmm. beat him, get him. Get him. So if you want to have that train of thought, maybe a good maybe a good guy to have. But see, that was their mindset with Carl Crawford <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah, and that right. didn't work out. That did not work at out. all. So um, I'm all for I'm all set with Scott Casimir. Another guy whose trade talks have been picking up is Aaron Harang of the Phillies, and the Red Sox have been. In- Intrigued in reports of inter- being interested. Would you get Aaron Harang? Mind you, he's 37 years old. He's very old. Well, if you can get him, 
and just have him for a little bit of time because obviously he's old. I mean, he's pitched a lot of games in his career. He's won over 100 games. He's also lost more than he's won. But he's a veteran. He usually goes a lot of innings. I think he's a pretty pretty consistent guy, six or seven innings. If he could kind of get some stability on this team, another veteran presence more than anybody because he's been in the league longer than anybody, obviously, at 14 years. And maybe he can be what Clay Buckholtz wanted to be and isn't. It might be good for the team. Would you be more inclined to do it if you could get Papelbon with him? Oh, yeah, definitely. What Fast rapid here, questions. What would be too much for them? What would be? Who would you not give up in terms of like maybe prospects? We'll go with that. Like, would you? You wouldn't trade Swihart, obviously, but who would be the guy you would lead that package with? Like, a J, like maybe maybe they're heating up Jackie I was Bradley. Say Jackie Bradley would make the most sense to me. I guess you have to give up a little more than him, but I mean, getting intrigued by a guy who's about twenty-four years old and great fielder for a couple, couple guys who are older. I think they might they might go for that. I think there's something brewing. I really do because there's no other reason why he would call up Bradley over Rusne. Mm. I don't. I, I kind of believe the fact that he, while well, he's hitting well, but you know he can't hit up here. I don't think that's going to change. We know what he is. So for me, I think it's a matter of I think they're really shooting for. Okay, we want to get rid of this guy. He's got to. He's got to. We got to bring him up and play him in the majors. And he's and obviously Harang. I don't think is going anywhere anytime soon. But you might, I know, I have a feeling they still want Papelbon. I think they kind of want to do it sneakily. And I think they could probably squeeze Harang and Papelbon together for some, for not terribly amount, that much, Jeff. No, since they're both older, I don't think you have to give up too much. But something to keep in mind about Harang, which is, would be good if, if the Red Sox got him, is that he's on the right side of 37, because he just turned 37 yesterday. Yeah. So at least he's not like almost 38 or, you know, yeah, 40. That's true. And guys like him, I will say this, Jesse, he doesn't pitch that hard. No, he doesn't. Like, guys like him could pitch into their 40s and be successful. Absolutely. You saw what's-his-face do it. Um, Jamie Moyer. Yeah, he pitched until he was, like, almost 50. Yeah, he pitched <laughs> for a while. And he was successful at the bottom of the Phillies rotation for a while at that age. Yeah, get, getting, so, like, ten, 9 or 10 wins, throwing 83 miles per hour. Exactly. So I think you could do something well with Harang. He would help you this year, especially if you still feel like you have a chance. Right. And you go from there. Yeah, I'd be in favor of getting harangued, definitely. All right, well, that's it. Do you want cashmere, just for my final tally? Yes or no? One, one word. Uh, is O a word? <laughs> just say yes or no. 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 Okay, so Jess and I are on the same page. No to Scott Casimir. Jess is probably leaning a little towards maybe, but for the t- purposes of me putting peer pressure on him, he's no. Right, I'll take harangue over no. him. And then I'll take Harang over him, too. Jess, let's get a little preview going. Absolutely. Let's, let's uh, preview some games here. Um, this week's tough. West Coast, all week. Uh, three against Oakland, then four against Mariners. Mariners are struggling, though. So are the A's. It's, it's so West the Coast A's. teams that aren't performing like they're supposed to. So this is why I'm afraid to be bold. But, Jess, I think at least in this first series against the A's, I think you take two out of three, my friend. I really do. I think they're struggling enough. Um, I think for some reason, I believe that this, the game you lose to them is going to be somehow Mojica shuts you down, <laughs> just for karma's sake and irony's sake. Um, but yeah, I think you take two out of three against the A's. I think Porcello locks them down tomorrow in his start against Scott Kazmir. Um, you probably win with like four or five runs because Kazmir's not pitching horribly. So 
I think he probably win with four or five runs there. I expect a bigger game out of Hanley. And I think I expect a big week. I expect a big road trip out of Hanley because he's coming off that injury. Uh, I don't know if he's 100%, but he's got a lot to prove. He's taking it slowly. Pan has been hitting well, but I expect some some some, ha- some Hanley time this week. Um, but, yeah, I, I think two out of three against the A's is reasonable, Jess. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> we keep doing this, and we keep being wrong. But I'm gonna go for a sweep of the Red Sox. Woo! Yeah, you're wrong. Just wrong. But Oakland's terrible, though. Twelve and twenty-one is a bad, bad record. You know what? I want. I, I wanted to do that too, but I just I felt better about being wrong. I wanted to be right. This well, week. I almost picked two out of three, but I decided to go for the sweep because the sweep something swayed me, and that something is that the A's are four and nine at home. Woo! Woo! Yeah. They need a new ballpark. Get them a new ballpark, yeah, folks. We can hit there. It's too big. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going for a sweep in that first series. I'm feeling good about it. Get back Ooh, on track. Get the, get the brooms out. Get Mrs. Delphi in here. <laughs> Clean up the house. Sweep it up. All right. So what do you think, Rest in what peace. Do you think about the, uh, <laughs> the Mariners, though? They're splitting that series. Okay. It's, it's a four-game series. Four, I know. They're splitting that. That's why. I'm just splitting. letting everyone know it's a four-game series. Yes. They're, they're, they're splitting the four-game series. They don't have a Thursday off this week. They have to play this Thursday. Poor them. Um I don't know the pitching matchup, Jess. I really don't. Well, they're not really. I don't think they're completely set. And Thursday. Probably, Thursday's Joe Kelly against Taiwan Walker. Yep. So they're struggling. The Mariners. They really are. Fourteen and seven. But I, currently. I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna end up with King Felix. If I'm. If I remember correctly. Pitched today, believe, so that would make sense. Yeah. So I believe you're gonna face him. You're losing that yep, game. Saturday. So oh, uh, hold on. The opposing pitcher Felix Hernandez is Rick Porcello. Oh, keep that in mind. Saturday, dueling aces, dueling aces on Saturday. Um, if you want to call Porcello that, um, I still think you lose that game. I just can't predict a win against King. Well, Felix is five and zero with an ERA under two. So exactly my point. Uh, so you lose that game. You're probably going to lose another one close. I, I, I think you split there. Um, I think obviously King Felix is a guy to look out for. I think Robbie Cano's had a slow start this year, and you got to look for him as well, to pick up a little bit. And in the A series, I didn't really say this, but I think the guy to look out for, for me, I don't even know. Who do you look out for over there? Josh Reddick's been playing pretty well. I guess Josh Reddick. I would have said Jonathan, but he doesn't exist there anymore. And, like, there's no one there to really look out for, you know? I guess no wonder they're 12 and 21. They don't, yeah, I, they, they got <laughs> Look out for Billy Bean and Moneyball. <laughs> <laughs> That's who you look out for. Um, no, look out for Scott Kazmary. Kazmary, I guess. Um, no, I, actually, the guy, funny enough, catcher, got to watch out for him. The A's is Steven Vogt. He's hitting three twenty two with seven homers and 25 RBI. <laughs> and no one knows who that is. Yep. Um, so who? <laughs> Steven Vogt. <laughs> All right, what do you got Mariner series? I got split. Well, I want to be positive. I was going to say take three out of four, and I decided maybe not, maybe a split, and I decided to go the complete opposite way, and I'm going to say lose three out of four. Ooh. I don't want. I almost said. I don't want to say it. I, but I almost said that too. I almost did, and I was like, "Now nah, I'll give them a split." They're, well, so, they're better at home than the A's are. Much yeah, better at home, and I don't know. Coming off, coming off what I think will be a sweep of the A's, they'll be feeling pretty good. And then at the Mariners have been underachieving. Now the end of a end of a ten game road trip, uh, you know, facing Felix. They're, they haven't done very well. I feel like they might they might pick pick some out of the hat and and uh, put it to the Red Sox a little bit and finish the road trip off tough for them. Who do you look out for in the Mariners series? Um, 
well, just their pitching in general, just because of because of Felix, first of all. But yeah, I like what you said about Cano. He's having a tough year. Only hit a home, one home run so far. He's not hitting 300. So maybe he'll be one of those guys that kind of wakes up because you know he likes playing the Red Sox because he was on the Yankees, of course. Um, I mean, Nelson Cruz has obviously been the best player in the majors basically so far. So <laughs> look out for him. He's hitting three. That's true. 347, 14 homers, and 27 RBI. Woo! So if you want to look at someone who you would expect to continue to do well, hopefully they can slow him down a little bit, but. He's the reason that they've won even 14 games at this point because their offense has been pretty bad other than him. So, so yeah, Nelson Cruz, maybe Robbie Cano to get going, and obviously Felix Hernandez because you want to you want to win that game, but it's gonna be tough. So I have them uh, taking two out of three from the A's. You have them sweeping the A's. Yeah, it's bold. You have them losing three out of four to the Mariners. So that would make them three and four in your prediction. I have them splitting the Mariners series, so that would ha- make them. No, they'd be four and three for me. Four and three? Because three and zero oh against. Oh yes, one, that's one right. That's right. Yeah. They'd be four and three for you. Sorry, simple math, but I'm tired. It does not work out well. Um, four and three for you, and then I have what did I said. I have them as two, two and, and three. three and okay, so that's two and one against the A's, and I have them splitting. So four and three as well. So four and three as well. Different way to get there. Yeah, very different. But four and three, each of us. Um, but we'll see if we ever write about them. The way they get there. That'd be a good road trip, even if it happens the way I say. It's still four, four and three in the last seven games is is pretty good. Obviously, overall, it would if they went four and three, it would be uh, five and five. But that's not terrible. It could be better. You want better though <laughs> against with, with the Red Sox. Like we want them to be good. Yes. So okay. I hope they don't lose three out of four. I'm 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 going bold. My predictions and what I actually want to happen are all very very different. Completely different. <laughs> you're you're putting your fan aside for a minute. Here. I'm trying to. It's um, tough. Jess, I, I didn't I didn't even ask you this. I know I brought it up for myself, but who who are you, who are you looking for to have a big week here for the Red Sox? Um, David Ortiz. Big Bobby. I'm tired of him. Uh, Sucking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to say that, <laughs> I mean, he hasn't been he hasn't been horrendous. He does have four home runs, but he's only hitting two forty two. Not not quite the production you want from him. Like I said, not terrible, but it is David Ortiz. No matter how how old he is, he's in the middle of your lineup. You want him to hit well. So I really hope he can get going. And then yeah, Hanley too, just coming off the injury, and he doesn't have a home run or an RBI in May yet after an incredible April. So if you can get them a three four combo, getting some hits on the road trip, that would be. Mucho beneficial for the whole trip. <laughs> Throwing some Spanish in there. So, David Ortiz, Hanley Ramirez. And obviously the pitching. Yeah. I don't want to get down 4 nothing in the first inning every game. <laughs> no, we can't afford that. Especially against King Felix down there and over there in Seattle. Don't, kiss that uh, don't forget, fans. Don't forget, West Coast trip. 10, 10 p.m. games, most of them. Yes. Anyway. Um, four 10 o'clock games. Yeah, four 10 o'clock games. So if you uh, put the DVR on if you want to watch the whole game, because I bet you you won't last. I probably won't. Um, I really want to. I, I always in the past have always I've always stayed up for all the games, but I've never had a job that started at nine. So yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're screwed now. Getting up early. Um, so yeah, so they have. There's our preview for the week, and with the preview being done, sadly but surely, the episode is done. I know you're all sad. I get it, but we'll be back next week. Don't worry. Um, Monday that time, not Sunday night baseball like this time. <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll actually probably be back on Monday. Sorry, I'm a little busy tomorrow night. Um, attention, Red Sox beat fans, though. Engage with your favorite 
sports podcast on CLNS Radio. We have partnered with Reach to develop a brand new way to talk about your favorite sports teams with all of your friends. Just go to www.reachedapp, R-E-A-C-H-T, app.com, backslash CLNS, and download the app. Or you can obviously go to the iOS or Google Play stores on your phones as well. Uh, join the CLNS group, register for Red Sox Speed, and you'll get notifications for all the questions we ask. And it's a great service, and we ask questions pretty frequently here for Red Sox Speed. We'd like to get your feedback. Um, the last question I asked was a while ago. I've been slacking, and it was last week about whether or not they would get swept by the Yankees, and they did. I, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, I had to ask the question. Um, but, yeah, so we'll get back on the train there. I apologize for slacking. Um, but until next week, Jess, great show, of course, as always. Um, had a lot to talk about. Put, kind of put the show last, together last minute. I'll be honest with you guys out there. Um, kind of forgot how to do the show early. Didn't do great show prep, but I think we got a good show out of it, Jess. Yeah, I think we found a way. When you know stuff about the team, it's good. It's a good show no matter how prepared you are, fortunately. I won't go Jordan flu game status, but pretty close for how tight we prepared for this show. <laughs> and I do have a heavily amount of allergies going on, so I'm pretty sniffly. So yeah, pretty good for sniffly. I'm like almost there, Jordan flu game status, but I won't quote I won't give myself that much credit. Um, that being said, enjoy the week of baseball on the West Coast. Have fun staying up late if you're a true Red Sox fan there. Um, if not, you <laughs> if not, don't forget to catch all the recaps on Red Sox games um i almost said on red sox beat but it's on the red sox games on clns radio of course our written coverage is fantastic as well you'll see all the you'll see um our episodes up on during the recaps and all the articles as well go check up on the written coverage there before we get come back to you next week on monday and just Um, and just so you know i'll be taking care of your recap on wednesday and jared will be taking care of your recap on thursday so so look out for some great stuff Wednesday and Thursday. And then never mind the whole. And week, then Saturday, on Sunday as well because I have that game as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So look out for recaps. Look out for breaking news if we have any to bring you before next week on Red Sox. But until then, I am Jared Scally with alongside with my co-host Jess Thomas here on CLNS Radio. See ya.